he is Lord of all. Amen. I'm trying out some new technology today. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a microphone that I typically use. It's a lapel microphone, and it supposedly uh, grew legs and walked away from my desk. So if you happen to know where that has been misplaced, please let us know. That would be great. The reason why I like the lapel, well, actually, I like the ear thing, too. It's just my ears are funny, <laughs> and, and these things tend to slip off very easily from me, but by the grace of God, we'll make it through today. Amen? All right. So this morning, what we're going to do, if we have the time for it, I'd like to do something a little bit more on the collaborative end of things when we get to the end of our message. Um, and so just to kind of kick things off in that direction, I would like us to find someone who is near to us, uh, one or two other people. So just get into pairs or, th or threes, so twos or threes. And what I'd like to do is just to pray for each other that God would speak exactly what we need to hear today, okay? The Word tells us that the Word of God is living and active, which means it's not a dead book. It's not just ink on paper. It's the Word of God that is speaking to our living reality. And so there is a word that I believe he wants to speak to each and every one of us today. And so would you find someone that's next to you? And just, if you haven't met that individual, go ahead and introduce yourself to them and, and just offer a prayer for each other that God would speak his word to us. All right, ready, set, go. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we want to turn our eyes upon Jesus today. Just as the flower turns to the sun, God, we want to find new life in him. He is the one 
the Messiah, the one who became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Lord, we pray that today you would do a special work. It's the Sabbath day, it's your day, and God, we are your people gathered in your house, and we just want to hear your word. So please, do what you've done in the past. Send us your Holy Spirit. God, we recognize today that we are praying to the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. And sometimes we don't pray that way, God, but we, we ask right now that you would give us a spirit of prayer that reaches to the highest of heaven. And so please, move in our midst as you've done in the past, but even more so, we pray. In Jesus' name, let the family say, amen, amen. It's a happy Sabbath, friends. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the little bit of reprieve from, from the heat wave. Um, I am also just kind of running on, I'm still running on some adrenaline from last night. I don't know how many of you, how many of you, by a show of hands, were at uh, Revelation of Hope last night? Praise God, man. I was so blessed to see so many new faces, and faces that I haven't seen in a while, uh, faces that are familiar, and just to see how the Word of God was being made so plain, so satisfying last night, and I, I'm looking forward to more, to much, much more. So if you are unclear about the schedule, uh, you can look on the back side of your bulletin where it says R-O-H, that stands for Revelation of Hope Seminar. Tonight it's a double header. Tomorrow night it's a double header. So 5 p.m., dinner at 6.20, 7 p.m., all right? So that's, that's what we have to look forward to. There's so much to look forward to. By the way, most every one of our flyers are gone out. We probably have a stack of 20 or 30 left, but we're going to hang on to those for any guests who come tonight and, uh, so that they can invite their friends and family too. So there, it's not too late. Feel free to bring your neighborhood. <laughs> Feel free uh, to, to, to bring your, your friends, your family, uh, just not your friends or family's pets. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, uh, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll get past that. <coughs> I'm excited to get into the word today. Let's, let's do it, okay? Today's message is entitled, it's a question. It's limited or limiting? Limited or limiting? Do you believe, friends, that our God has an unlimited supply of power that he makes available to you and us? Amen. Let's go to the passage that we read for our scripture reading. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament, Close to the end, it's after the Corinthians. So if you find First and Second Corinthians, then you'll find Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, and this is where we're going to start our study this morning. It's a question that I'm still processing, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how God is, is wanting to make this real in my life. Limited or limiting, what's going on in my experience? Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read the last two verses there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, I'm going to be reading in the New King James Version t today. You may be reading in a different version, and that's just fine. But if you don't have a Bible, feel free to find one in front of you. Ephesians chapter 3, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, this is a church, a group of believers in Ephesus. He's saying this beautiful prayer. It starts in verse 14, and it closes down to verse 20. And Paul is just looking up to God, and he says, Now to him who is able to do a little bit here and there. <laughs> Praise God that when Paul is praying, he knows he is praying to an infinite God, which means that his prayers can encompass an infinite amount of things. So he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly 
above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. When you and I pray, who do we pray to? (laughs) We pray to a God who is able. He's not just able to do some. He's not just able to do partially. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or imagine. This is incredible. I want us to notice something here that struck me this week. The promise in this prayer is that God is able to go above and beyond. Amen? God is able. So it is appropriate for you and I to have confidence that God can do it. That he can do even more than whatever it is that you are praying about. The promise is that he can do it, but is the promise that he will always do it? Hmm. And that question can kind of go in many different directions, but today I just want us to understand that there are times, if we were to be very honest, there are times in which we see that, well, God doesn't do exceedingly or abundantly above what I've asked or thought. And the question I want to ask today is why? I realize that that is a loaded question. Anytime we ask why, that is a loaded question. Today, I'm not claiming to provide exhaustive answers, but I think that we can at least look at the, uh, what the scripture says to find some partial answers at least today in the time that we have today. In James chapter 4, verse 2, if you're taking notes, go ahead and start writing these down. James chapter 4, verse 2, he says something very pointed and profound. He says, you have not because you what? Ask not. Interesting. There is a God of unlimited power, so we know that God's supply is not limited, but apparently, according to James, there are times when the demand is limiting. Are we following that today, yes or no? There are times when we have not, not because God is not able to, but because we are not asking him to. There's another perspective I want us to consider. So sometimes the supply is, okay, we know fact, God is able. Okay, so supply is unlimited. Apparently demand at times is limiting. But there's another perspective, and and this is something that I came across this week in the book Desire of Ages, page 672, and I wanted just to throw this out there and see how, just allow us to chew on this, because this has been rocking my boat, so to speak, for this, this last week. Desire of Ages, page 672, the book is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the author says, The promise of the Spirit is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ. Amen. All right, we've talked about this in the past. The riches of the grace of Christ, now that's infinite. So the promise of the Spirit is given to us infinitely. The promise is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ, and he, Jesus, is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. Ooh. I'll read it again. He is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. So just a minute ago, we said God's supply is not limited, but sometimes our demand is limiting. Here, God's supply is not limited, but apparently at times our capacity to receive is limiting. Are we following this today? Today I want us to ask the question, 
Why? <laughs> what can we do? What, what, is, what is it that sets boundaries for God that almost binds his hands from being at work in the way that he wishes or could be at work in our lives? Now, I don't want us to go to an unhealthy extreme this morning, okay? Follow me here just for a second. I want us to make a little disclaimer. I'm not advocating or encouraging a reckless, uh, what would you say, a reckless consumerism when it comes to our Christian experience. I think there is a version of the gospel that says, hey, God said it, I believe it, let's claim it. It's an, it's, it's a, it's an abundant mentality that can become an unhealthy mentality. Assuming that everything should be mine. It's almost an entitlement to the grace of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And so I'm not, I'm not advocating a reckless consumerism in our Christian experience to assume that more equals better. That's not always the case, amen? Oh, maybe we don't know that. <laughs> more does not always mean it's better. I remember a story in Exodus chapter 16. God rained down manna upon the children of Israel for 40 years, day after day after day, except for the Sabbath day, right? God gave them this manna, and there were instructions that they were to gather as on, only as much as they needed for the day. So in that case, more was not always better. Amen? Do you know what happened when they gathered more for themselves? They kind of took a whole, yeah, that's right. Whoa, I don't want to touch that thing. <laughs> Maggots grew the next day, right? Why? Because it was a lack of trust that God would provide day by day by day. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so more does not always mean better. I'm not advocating a reckless consumerism about Christianity. Are we following today, yes or no? Okay, what I am asking about is if God is able, then what about our capacity to receive? Are there w things in our life, are there factors in our life that are actually barring Jesus, barricading the blessings that God wants to pour out in our experience? And I think this is an appropriate question because Right now, we are endeavoring and in, in starting into this Revelation of Hope seminar, and we are seeing blessing upon blessing, but I do not want to get in the way of all that God wants to do. I believe our church does not want to get in the way of all that what God wants to do. And so we need to ask this question very soberly and honestly. Are there things that we are putting up as limitations to the unlimited God? So, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three stories. We're going to paint the picture in broad strokes. We won't go super in-depth into these stories, but I want us to look at three stories in which God's supply was unlimited, but apparently there was a limiting factor. We're going to look at those three stories, and I want us to be seeing where we resonate, what we identify with, where do we see ourselves in these stories. So, the first one, ready? We're going to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings comes right after 1 Kings. 1 and 2 Kings are after 1 and 2 Samuel. If you've gotten to the Chronicles, you've gone too far. If you're in Psalms or one of the prophets, you're a little bit too far still. All right. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you found it, say Amen. Okay, if a friend of yours needs some help, feel free to gently turn some pages. 2 Kings chapter 4. This is a story whose main character is, well, I guess there, there are several main characters, but this takes place in the ministry of Elisha. 
It's interesting that the book entitled Kings often features prophets. The reality is that royalty isn't much if it's not driven by the prophetic word of God. Okay, leadership isn't much if it's not reliant upon the prophetic word of God. And here in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha is encountered by a certain woman. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says, A certain woman of the wives of the son of the, of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Are these desperate straits or what? <laughs> okay, so here's the story. Here's a widow. Her husband was one who was trained in one of Elisha's schools, a son of the prophets. And, and now that she's finding herself in Essentially, she's finding herself in great debt, and she doesn't know what to do. Her financial situation is so ugly that she may end up losing the two boys that she has left. So this is a very desperate situation. Goes to the prophet. Prophet says, what do you have in your house? There are many teaching points that we could really kind of pick apart here, but we're just going to breeze through because I want to get to one particular focus. And here the rest of the story continues. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. What kind of vessels? Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. <laughs> and that's a fancy way of saying get lots and lots, right? Get as much as you can. Where is she supposed to get these empty vessels, by the way? From her friends, from her neighbors. So this is kind of a collaborative effort. This is a team thing, okay? Hey, guys, I need help. And actually, you need help. Your jars are empty, too. Now, what does Elisha say? In verse 4, it says, When you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Sometimes miracles don't have to be a sideshow. Sometimes miracles take place behind the, the security of your own home. It doesn't need a greater audience than just your eyes. Shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. What was Elisha giving her to anticipate? Yeah. She was to get empty vessels, as many as she could, and with that little jar of oil that she had, Elisha was giving her the expectation that as you pour, it will come. As you pour, it will come. An unlimited supply, at least so in this present, in this present tense. And in verse 5, the Bible says, So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Can you imagine what kind of conversation took place between this mom and her two sons? I have no idea what's going to happen, <laughs> but here we go, right? In verse 6, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. Have you ever had one of those experiences where, you're, you're, you know, maybe the, the garden hose has just been left on and uh, you don't know which flower to, to water next or, or where to go from there? Come on, bring me another one. And the mom says, Bring me another vessel. Sons say, there is not another vessel. And notice the very last phrase of verse 6. So the oil ceased. Maybe your Bible says the oil stopped. Maybe yours says the oil stood still. It stayed. Very interesting here. The Hebrew word there is to stand. When it says it ceased or it stopped, it, it, it really means to stand. So like when Joshua was fighting the Amalekites and he wasn't done yet, he said, 
may the sun stand still. He was using this Hebrew word, amad. Stand still, stop, cease. And here, this continuous flow ceased. Why? Was it because God could not give more? It's because there weren't more vessels to receive it. Are we following that today? So picture number one, it's a picture of infinite supply that is contingent or dependent upon vessels to receive it. Almost, you might almost say that the, the, the contingency or the capacity to receive depends upon our preparation and expectation to be filled. What were the sons and the mother thinking when they were gathering from their neighbors? I I wonder how many we should get, because they knew what the prophet told them to to do. I I don't know how many they gathered. I don't know what kind of uh, belief or preparation or expectation they had, but whatever it was that they brought, that's how much was filled. And so our capacity to receive depends upon our preparation and expectation to be filled. So question today, what do you lack? Apparently for the mom and their two sons, they were lacking oil. They were lacking some good to sell and trade. They were lacking something very concrete, something very practical. But what are we lacking in our lives? What are we lacking in our church's experience? Could it be that when we pray for those areas of lack, our preparation and expectation of God's supply makes all the difference? It's our preparation and expectation of what God could do. So there's picture number one, 2 Kings chapter 4. The oil stopped. It amad. It stood still. Second story, 2 Kings still. 2 Kings chapter 13. So turn a few pages to your right. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. These, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, these aren't books that I spend a lot of time in because sometimes I just kind of fumble over the names of different kings, especially when there are kings of Judah and kings of Israel, and they seem to have the same name at the same time. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Uh, so apparently during this time in chapter 13, there's a, there's a Joash, there's a Jehoash, there's a Jehoahaz, you know, things like this, and sometimes I just get a little bit mixed up. So when I have questions about the kings and chronicles and things like that, I actually ask my wife about it. She's, she's the Israel history encyclopedia for me. Here we go. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 14. If you're there, say amen. Okay. Again, this is near the end of Elisha's life, and it says in verse 14, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, or maybe your Bible says Jehoash, the king of Israel came down to him and wept over his face. Now this young king, he wasn't the greatest king. In fact, a few verses earlier, a few paragraphs earlier, it says that he walked He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so this young guy, he was trying to lead, but he just really wasn't being faithful to his calling. And still he has respect for the prophet of Israel. So he goes and he says, in verse 14, he wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. In other words, all this this army military might is nothing compared to the value of the prophetic word. You know, this keeps coming up, by the way. There is value in the prophetic word. We cannot underestimate this. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Maybe you've heard that before. 
And I've always thought of that as, you know, oh, we need to know where we're going. We need good leaders to know where we're going. And that's true. We do. But what the literal meaning of that is, is where there is no prophetic vision. Where prophetic counsel isn't taken into account. That's when the people perish. Friends, we need the word of God. Amen. (laughs) Okay, so here, even this young king who's kind of fumbling around, he goes to the prophet And in verse 15, notice what Elisha does. This this dying man says to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Now in verses 17, 18, 19, Elisha is going to set up an object lesson. Let's see if we can follow it. And he said, Open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. He's setting up a scenario. He's saying, look, this bow, this arrow, as you're shooting out the window, it's almost like it's a depiction of your, your, your endeavor to rid yourself of your enemy, the Syrian." Okay, so in verse 18, it says, then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. What is he supposed to strike the ground with, by the way? The arrows, okay, which, and according to verse 17, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, okay, the arrow of deliverance from Syria. So these arrows, as he's picking them up, it's supposed to be a symbolic parable of his deliverance from Syria, his victory over his enemy. Now notice the instruction of verse 18. Strike the ground. So he struck how many times? Three times. And what's the next word in your Bible? And stopped. Hebrew word, amad. Stood still. Ceased. Okay. In verse 19, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it, but now you will strike Syria only three times. Very interesting story. Here this king has the chance to really go for it. God has promised deliverance from his enemy, but instead of going for it with intensity and persistence and perseverance, he amad. He stops. He stands still short of what God could and would have done. So here, while in the story of the widow, we had the capacity to receive was dependent upon her preparation and expectation, this young king's capacity to receive was dependent upon his his thoroughness, his enthusiasm, to do what God had promised was going to happen. His capacity to receive was, was dependent upon his thoroughness to follow through with God's instructions. There's a statement in the book Prophets and Kings. Now, let me read this to you and see how this lands. It says, When God opens the way for the accomplishment of a certain work and gives assurance of success, the chosen instrumentality must do all in his power to bring about the promised result. Let that sink in. Sometimes we assume that, oh, God promised it. I've got nothing to do with this. (laughs) Let's just wait and see what happens. And by the way, friends, there are times when God says, stand still. 
But when God was giving this king, hey, look, you've got an opportunity to have victory. You've got an opportunity to have deliverance from your enemies. This king stops short of a thorough effort. The statement continues and says, in proportion to the enthusiasm and perseverance with which the work is carried forward will be the success given. God can work miracles for his people only as they act their part with untiring energy. Ooh. So, when we find ourselves in a situation where we need deliverance, where we need victory and overcoming, do we often get tired and fall short of the promised result? There are fights that we've been battling. There are struggles that you and I have been uh, experiencing on different fronts. God has promised victory over those things. He has. He really has promised victory. The victory is his. The question is, how untiring will our effort be? So sometimes our capacity to receive is dependent upon our untiring effort, our unflagging zeal, especially as it relates to times in which we are needing victory and deliverance. Okay, so it's two pictures so far. A situation of lack, and her capacity to receive was dependent upon her preparation and expectation. Uh, story number two, a situation of, or a need for deliverance, and that deliverance, that, that blessing was dependent upon his willingness to untiringly put forth his hand to, to the plow, so to speak. His, his willingness to be thorough in his effort, intense and perseverant in his efforts. All right, story number three, and then we'll wrap it up. Story number three is in the New Testament, Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, second gospel, New Testament. Mark chapter six, and here's Jesus, the word of God made flesh, walking amongst us. And he returns to his hometown, the hometown of Nazareth. And when you're there in Mark chapter 6, go ahead and say, I'm there. I'm there. All right. Mark chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. The Bible says that he went out from there. He came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? If you were to kind of put that in a tone of voice, what kind of attitude do you hear behind these words? I heard jealous. What else did I hear? Arrogant. Okay, what did you say? unbelief. Okay, okay. Almost kind of selling Jesus short. Hey, we saw this guy running around when he was little. Who does he think he is to speak like this with such authority, right? In verse 3, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. And in verse 4, Jesus wasn't surprised. It says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now notice, verse 5, this is kind of the bomb that hit me this week. It says this, Now he could do no mighty work there. What? Jesus, the Son of God, could do no mighty work? What are you talking about? He's the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the one who turned water into wine. He's the one who resurrected himself. He is the resurrection and the life. 
Let me read that again. In verse 5, it says, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6, what is going on here? And he marveled because of their what? Their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus' power limited, yes or no? No. Jesus could. He could, but he was, there were limiting factors on his power that day. His, excuse me, the people's capacity to receive healing and blessing from Jesus was dependent solely upon their belief to receive it. Their capacity to receive depended upon their willingness to believe. And so the question is, what healing do you need today? What restoration or salvation do you need to experience from the healing hand of Jesus today? It is not that God is limited, but that we are often limiting him from working in our lives. From the book, That I May Know Him, this is a devotional It says, he wanted to do for them in that place just what he knew that they needed to have done, but he could not because unbelief barred the way. And notice this, the potter cannot mold and fashion unto honor that which has never been placed in his hands. Wow. How can we expect God to change us? How can we expect God to heal us if we are unwilling to believe and surrender ourselves to his hands? And that was Jesus' problem. His hands were tied, not because he couldn't do anything, but because the people wouldn't let him. The people, through their unbelief, would not allow him to. So three stories, different circumstances, different scenarios, but one common thread. God's supply was unlimited, but apparently their capacity to receive was limiting. So, today... If it is true that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, if that is true, the question we need to ask ourselves is what are the limiting factors in our lives? What is holding back? Why is it that our capacity to receive is not allowing Jesus to have full reign in our lives? It's a heart-searching question today. And what I want to do now is just give us a chance. Earlier you had a chance to to find a partner and pray with one another. But now what I want you to ask, I'm going to give you two different questions to ask yourselves as we kind of round up with an application time, okay? So this is our collaborative learning time. Um, And so take advantage of this, please. Um, What I want you to ask your neighbor is this first question. Which of the three stories, uh, the widow, the, the king, and the town of Nazareth. Which of these three stories resonates with you most deeply and why? Okay? Which of these situations, maybe you're feeling a certain lack, or maybe you're, you're needing victory and deliverance, or maybe you're needing healing and restoration. Talk with your neighbor. Which of these three scenarios do you identify with the most and why? Okay, I'll give you 90 seconds for this per person. All right, 90 seconds per person. Ready, set, go.
All right, let's make sure that everybody has a chance to share back and forth. So if you've been dominating the conversation, make sure to hand it over, okay? We'll give you a few more seconds to wrap this up. Which of these situations do you identify with the most? By the way, this simple question, which, which of these stories do you identify with? This is something for your own personal Bible study. Anytime you're reading the scripture, ask yourself, how do you find yourself in those shoes, you know? And, and when you do, whatever message was being spoken to the original audience there, that's the message that God wants you to hear that day, all right? So this is how we, we process the word of God and make applications. So stick with your partner here. You've been able to kind of bear your heart with each other. This is the situation that, that, that I resonate with. Maybe you are. Maybe you are in a situation of lack. You have some great need, some void that you long to be filled, but you don't know where it's going to come from. Or maybe you're here and you feel like you've got enemies all around. You're fighting battles on many different fronts and you just don't know how to handle it. You need deliverance. You need victory. Or maybe you're over here and you're actually longing for restoration. Maybe it's not, not your own healing, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, Maybe it's actually healing for somebody else, and you're wondering, does Jesus have the power to do this? So, with those situations in mind, you've kind of identified where the shoes that fit you best, okay? With those situations in mind, I want you to turn to each other again. Now, brainstorm with each other. What could it be? What specific things is God asking you to do to increase your capacity to receive? If God truly is able to supply this lack, if God truly is able to give you deliverance, if God truly is able to pour out healing and restoration, then what can you do to increase your capacity to receive? Maybe over here, your capacity to receive, you haven't been preparing for that. You've been praying for rain, but you haven't been getting umbrellas. You haven't expected that God is going to fill the void. What are some specific things you can do to to become more expectant, to become more prepared for the blessings? How about, I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks like this, but for our church, you know? If we're really praying that God would would move upon people's hearts and and really bring about uh, changed lives, are we preparing Are we prepared for all of Modesto to come knocking on our doors? Are we prepared to open up our hearts and our homes to them? Are we prepared to, I mean, really, uh, this is for me and, and all of us, I'm sure, like, I, can, I max out at a certain number of friends. I don't know about you. <laughs> there are certain numbers of people that I can keep in touch with at the same time, but after about three or four, it's like, oh boy, I feel like a really bad friend after that, <laughs> okay? But I mean, that's a very specific example, but how can we, if we're really wanting to, to bring people in, if we're really wanting to, to be a place where, where God fills this place, are we getting more vessels? I'm glad for a church that is putting out another vessel in Patterson. Do you understand what I'm, the, the metaphor there? Maybe God is calling us to put out more vessels. Just an idea, just an idea. All right. But what are the specifics? What are the specifics here for, for victory and deliverance? 
Could it be that, that, uh, that God is looking for more effort, untiring zeal? Strike those arrows even more. Or over here, if it's restoration and healing, what is it that, that bars our belief? Okay, so I know I've talked all through the brainstorming time. I'll give you 90 seconds, okay? Brainstorm with each other. What's one thing I can do this week to increase my capacity to receive? Okay, ready, set, go. Give you 20 seconds more. <clears throat> now I'll be honest, this is always the hardest part for me, to get specific, to, be, to get concrete. But I pray that God would uh, work this out. And, and maybe the conversation doesn't need to stop right now. Have you seen yourself in any one of these stories, friends? Yes? Have you at least gotten the ball rolling in terms of how it is that God could be instructing you today? Yeah? Okay. I'm curious today, even before we close, if there's maybe two, three people that would like to share just something that God is speaking to you very clearly, that, that you've understood today from the message that maybe, okay, you find yourself in this situation and this is what God, I, I sense God is calling me to do about it. Would anybody like to share? Just open up. This is totally uh, unprompted, <laughs> spontaneous, so don't be, you know, ashamed. We're, we're family here. So yeah, Anita, please share. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Amen. All right. Yes, in the back. Okay. 
sure. Sure. But you're sensing your, that, that sense of need, and um, you're looking for God to supply that need there. Okay, very good, very good. Any, anyone else? I, I don't want to cut anybody. Yeah, right here. Sure. Mm. Okay. different seasons of our life. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So Marcia is sharing that she finds herself in different, different stages of her life, identifying with the different experiences there. And what she's finding now um, is that what's most necessary is having an open heart to what God is going to do. Is that what I'm hearing? Amen. Amen. Anybody? Yeah, in the back. Thank you for sharing. I don't know if you heard that, but Sandra is essentially saying that sometimes he, he resonates most, or right now, he's resonating especially with the need to not just receive more, but to allow God to take and to strip away. Is that kind of what I'm hearing, Sandra? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Shirley, did you have something you wanted to share? Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm not quite sure where that ring is coming from. Okay. I'm sorry. Now I'm listening. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He will. He will. Amen. All right. Um, maybe one more here. Yeah. 
Jennifer. So sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes what we think our needs really aren't needs after all. And maybe the secret to receiving is giving. Huh. Okay, last one right here and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what boundaries or compartments that you've kind of assigned God in the past are no longer boundaries and compartments. God has everything. God has everything. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I hope it's okay that we indulged a little bit in this collaborative experience. The reality is that um, Proverbs eleven fourteen is very real. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And um, we are counseled, actually, <laughs> that we shouldn't expect a sermon every Sabbath, and a lot of times we, we do, which is fine and dandy, but, but sometimes it's not the most effective. Sometimes the most effective is what your brother and sister says um, from their experience and from what they've been reading in the Word, and so I just appreciate uh, your openness to both speaking and to listening. Um, our, our Father is faithful. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly. And friends, today the simple question is, will we do our very best to not get in the way of what he wants to do? 
Do we want to increase our capacity to receive? Maybe that increasing is going to come by giving. Maybe that increasing is going to come by being stripped away. Maybe that increasing is going to come by um, just opening up our heart to, to recognize that God is able that to, to, to give him permission to exceed the boundaries that we've put up. And so today, let us as a church be committed to allowing God to fill as he so desires, to not stop short of his plan and purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to study, to dig deep, and to put ourselves in the shoes of those that have walked before. And Lord, today, uh, I just have a sense that this message uh, is still going to marinate in our hearts. Maybe there's a message that hasn't been unpacked just yet. There's an application, there's an appeal that hasn't been unpacked just yet. And so, Father, I pray that your word would linger long in our memories. That over lunch, throughout this afternoon, as we close the Sabbath later on, maybe head over to the seminar tonight, Lord, that you would continue this conversation with our hearts. There is a sanctifying work that your word wants to do in our hearts, and, and we don't want to stop. We don't want to get in the way. Lord, we pray that as individuals and as households, we would increase our capacity to receive. Lord, we want our lives to prove not just to this world, but to the watching universe. We want our lives to prove that you are the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. And so please, do whatever it takes. And may we do whatever it takes as well. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.